0: Your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Devin McKenna, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host from right here in Pittsburgh, but uh socially distanced, Nathan Lutz. How you doing, sir?
1: I am doing great on this wonderfully cold winter day. How about you? I'm good. You know where it's
0: probably not cold? The great state of Texas. That's right. That's right. We got Ricky Anderson coming to us from Texas and the Flashback Flicks podcast.
2: Yes. Now it's I mean it's cold it's Texas cold, so I think it's like what what? 60. I don't know.
0: 60? That's delightful. Well, Ricky, for those who didn't catch it, you're from the Flashback Flicks podcast. Your co-host Grayson came back on. I believe the episode was Cool Running. So if, you, if yes. people like the movie Cool Runnings and talking about cold weather, check that out. But tell people about your efforts on Flashback Flicks.
2: Yeah, Flashback Flicks is a podcast that me and my buddy Grayson started back in 2015. And we just wanted an excuse to talk about some old movies. So what we tend to do on our podcast is based on what movies are being released or streamed, we try to find a retro movie that fits into that theme and then we review it. And then we come up with our own uh, headcanons. And if the movie were to be made today, recasts and remakes. And uh, also just notice how movies change for us as we change over time.
0: Mm, yeah, so you guys definitely, I think your sweet spot tends to be late 80s to mid 90s, maybe?
2: Oh, yes. Yes. Very rarely have we ventured past that. But it yeah, 80s and 90s are just our bread and butter
0: yeah i i know on to i'm a huge batman fan so big that i came on your show and i did batman and robin with you guys so
2: yes. um yes to be
0: clear that was one, that one's still to this day probably at the bottom of my ranks but i still love batman so much i saw i had a great time on that so it's a fun show you know you guys do a great job over there and you've been doing it for a long time how many episodes are you up to now
2: we are i i recently looked at it we've done over 260 episodes yes it's a lot movies you guys
0: are podcast vets so if if you're ever running out of content <laughs> here at retro movie roundtable with our gigantically long play time check out flashback flicks they have a robust library to go through yeah so ricky what's the last movie you saw by
2: the way the last movie it was blank man i i watched blank man for this podcast i think before that i actually actually went out and saw wonder woman 1984 me and one other stranger in the movie theater were watching that movie did you enjoy wonder woman 84 I I did, but it wasn't it wasn't the same as the first one because there are differences. Yes, of course. But I just felt like it was an unexpected sequel, but it still was good for the most part. But I was just like, this movie was really good. But so many times throughout the movie, I'm like, is this a Wonder Woman movie we're watching? Because I felt like this easily could, if you just deleted Wonder Woman from the whole movie, it would still be a really interesting like M Night Shyamalan. Like esque kind of movie of just like, what if someone could grant every wish you ever wanted? Because it, it, it just felt like this was almost like a disaster movie.
0: I don't know, man. If you take if you take Wonder Woman eighty four and you take Wonder Woman out of it, then you're left with nothing but nineteen eighty four, and that's a sad movie. That's a heavy movie. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I think that's exactly what it was. Nathan, how about you? What was your last movie?
1: I happened to come across The Bourne Ultimatum.
2: Nice.
1: And thought that it might be fun to start a little bit of a rewatch of The Bourne movies. And that was a lot of fun. It's interesting to see over time that style of action where it's quick cuts and very gritty, real, but you are really being embedded in the feel of the franticness of that moment. It's really interesting to go back and see just how well some of that is actually done in that in that early version.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And the last movie that I just did, I got done watching Ad Astra. Huh. How was that? Ambitious. Uh, perhaps a little bit slower moving than I anticipated. I still liked it. I would uh, caution people to be ready to go in for a slower paced movie, though. I didn't know that going in, and I I think I'll appreciate it the second time around more knowing that now.
1: That's a movie really trying to cash in on the 2001 feel. Really cool effects, great visuals. I don't know that it's on 2001 level. Oh, I'm not <laughs> arguing that. I'm saying it's trying to cash in. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so today's movie is going to be... Blank Man from 1994. It grosses $7.9 million in the box office. It places it 125 on the box office, so that's not super high. It comes in behind The Puppet Masters and ahead of The Chase. And the number one movie that year for reference was The Lion King. And IMDb gives Blank Man a 5.0. I feel like this is harsh, but not nearly as harsh as the critics of Rotten Tomatoes, who gave it a 19%. And the audience score, perhaps maybe bring a little bit of uh, justice to it, gives it a 41%. No awards to show for this. So, Ricky, have you seen Blank Man before? And uh, tell people what your background with it is.
2: So, I grew up not only watching blank man i love the wayans family i grew up watching a lot of the wayans brothers tv show but also there was an animated show called waynehead on the kids wb i don't know if anyone remembers this it didn't last very long it was this show about damon wayans as a kid and he wore a boot like that boot that he used to like throw at people that was like from his childhood i want to say it was like an orthopedic
1: thing oh no it's <laughs> so
2: like that was that was the whole thing about him just growing up as a kid it was basically for me it was hey arnold before hey arnold
0: maybe a little bit of like everybody hates chris kind of a vibe
2: yes oh yeah for sure uh it was all animated so yeah i love the weigh-ins and so i want to say around teen years is when i watched blank man and i remember liking it but i don't remember liking it nearly as much as i did today because the movie was ahead of its time i'm sure we'll talk more about that later but i i really like this movie and and pretty much anything that the wayans had their hands on i watched i i loved in living color Mm -hmm. uh and watching those reruns and i loved don't be a menace and pretty much anything that the way his brothers, especially Sean and Marlon, had their hand in, I, I just loved. And so I, I, re, I had a very fond memory of re-watching this movie because I already owned the DVD and I watched it I almost decided to watch it on full screen just to get the real nostalgic feel of it because it was it was a good time
0: that's hardcore flashback flicks when you like cut off the uh you know i'm gonna I'm gonna sacrifice twenty five percent of what I'm seeing here just because <laughs> I gotta I really gotta experience it as I did in the
1: 90s
2: <laughs> yes
1: Nathan, what about you? Had you seen Blank Man before? This was a movie that I, not only had had I not seen, but I had never heard of. And that's a real shame because I think this movie has aged incredibly well. This is something that I, I can feel at the time it might have come across as yet another cheesy superhero flick trying to capitalize on on some of that popularity. The effects are kind of iffy and the plot's a little bit the same, but looking back on it, There are so many little details here that make almost every single scene really fascinating as like, what are they really saying here and what do they really mean? And a lot of the humor is still good.
0: Yeah, I I don't understand the low rankings on this one. I actually watched it once and I was just like, I had fun with that. But as always, I watched watched it a second time uh, here for this one and I was like, wow, this is playing a lot better the second pass through. And the rewatch is high. And I hadn't seen it since I was uh, young. I watched Major Pain, and I really enjoyed Major Pain a lot. So I remember picking up Blank Man. Mm, it probably would have been a little bit after Major Pain, even though Major Pain came out afterwards. But I, I picked up Blank Man uh, a fair bit after the fact. I probably would have been in junior high. And I, and I did enjoy it, but somehow, like what Ricky was saying, I think I enjoy this more today. I don't know if it's just because Marvel's hit me over the head with so much lately. And, you know, yeah, seeing this parody slash humorous side of it. I mean, this isn't, like, Deadpool funny. Like, this is, like, just parodying the genre itself. And I don't know that Mm -hmm. the genre was well enough established in 1994 to get people to know that. That or just marketing didn't serve this movie. Maybe... Damon Wayans, his name just didn't, for whatever reason, hit the box office like you would hope that it would.
2: Yeah, my guess is that it was just an era, like you said, like the genre wasn't as established. Because the Wayans are no strangers to parody; they did "I'm Gonna Get You, Sucka" back in the day, and then they are known for the scary movie, mm-hmm. just starting that whole train of parodies. And you know, they're no strangers to the parodying that genre. But I think that they just saw early on. With the success of Burton's Batman. And I want to say uh, Batman 2 had already been released just two years prior. Yeah, I'm sure the Rocketeer was out. Right. And so they, I'm sure that they were like, this is the thing that we need to parody. And they basically had the same Nolan vision. I just really think they were so far ahead of their time. Because they're like, what if someone just decided to become a superhero? in the same vein of like kick-ass yes I, I was just like th- th- this is pre-kick-ass and they're just doing it i just was really impressed with that that's a great parallel by the way oh i th- that's all i could think about because his his uh diy costume he just kind of came up with that um uh he accidentally came across the bulletproof serum for his suit and everything else he was just getting beat up i'm just like oh this is the exact same movie But just way before anyone could even really appreciate it.
0: So this is a part of the show where we want to let people know we are going to be spoiling Blank Man. And it's very intricate, very well thoughtful plot. So we're going to make sure that if you are spoiler adverse, you're going to want to check the movie out and come back after this. We will be back after these messages.
2: like you
0: all right we're back and this is your final warning there will be spoilers for blank man that lies ahead so nathan for those who haven't seen blank man since 1994 do you want to give people a recap
1: i do Russell. let's get going two chicagoan boys grew up on a diet of adam west batman raised by their grandmother aside from sharing the last name walker they could not have grown up to be more different Kevin is a down-to-earth, career-oriented, karate-class-taking man with journalistic ambitions, while Daryl is an inventive genius living in a situation where his talents go underappreciated and his mental health needs go undiagnosed. But when their grandmother is killed by mobsters when helping the earnest mayoral candidate Marvin Harris, Daryl copes by combining his comic book inspirations and gadget-making skills to become... Brother, man—at least until his brother Kevin and the police laugh that name away. Unnamed but still undeterred, Daryl continues to serve his community, dressed in homemade superhero garb, mostly solving everyday problems. Kevin tags amusedly along, initially frustrated at needing to protect his willful but unsavvy brother, but eventually taking inspiration from their success. Eventually, one of their rescues draws a crowd, and Kevin, covering for his dumbstruck brother in the face of so much attention, tells a woman that he is. Blank, ma'am. Misheard, the name sticks when Kimberly Johns, the anchor at Kevin's news company, reports the birth of a hero, Blank Man. Though seemingly small in scope, Darrell's efforts inspire Marvin Harris, now mayor, to renew his stand against the mobsters. The mob boss, Michael Minelli, engineers a complex heist in revenge. Dressed as Blank Man, Daryl foils the robbery, but his and Kevin's efforts fail to save the mayor's life unsatisfied Manelli sets his sights on Blankman. man after kimberly johns interviews daryl as blank man at his secret subway stop hideout her and kevin's slimy boss mr stone surmises that she might serve as a damsel in distress and leaks the information to Minelli. the mob boss lays a trap which daryl and kevin both fall into At the last moment, one of Daryl's inventions, a robot he calls J-5, arrives to save Johns and the brothers, but in the process, the almost-sentient machine has to be sacrificed. Newly determined, Kevin joins Daryl on his quest to take Minnelli down, finally wearing the superhero suit his brother made and contributing his karate skills. Working together, they succeed in getting the mobster arrested, but figure he'll only be in for about 20 years or so.
0: Yes, and well done. Well done. Now, Ricky, I want to pick back up where you left off again. Like, I really like how you mentioned that you saw some parallels to Kick-Ass, which Kick-Ass did pretty well. It was well received Mm and it it spawned a sequel. And I want to go back to that, like this being ahead of its time. What is it that this movie is doing that maybe even laid the groundwork for Kick-Ass?
2: I would say that, so Kick-Ass was based off of a comic, uh, and, you know, a lot of people loved the comic, and it was immediately optioned. Uh, I think the thing that this movie did, though, is that it kind of bridged that gap tonally, I think, is a major difference, because it was just a funnier approach. Like, Blank Man's first night out on the prowl, uh, he, uh, <laughs> his first his first encounter is like, well, slap me around and call me Susan. And then he just gets beat up. <laughs> he just gets slapped around. And Damon Wayans, so many of the Wayans are just so physically comedic. And I, I audibly laugh like that whole scene. And He's just getting beat up. And that's where I was just like, this is kick-ass. Because like, when he first goes out, he just gets the cookies beat out of him. But I think that they just took a more comedic approach. And they almost had a slightly burton-esque kind of world that they were building as well because it was grounded in our reality to a degree but as the movie went on it just became an adam west era batman episode straight down to the i'm gonna fill this lottery tub with water and once this timer goes out everything's gonna blow up and the banter and everything (laughs) uh and so i think just tone is the other thing but i think it laid the groundwork because they just established that like There is this world that exists, not unlike our own, because I'm just like, wow, so few things have changed since 1994. (laughs) (laughs) It's just acknowledging that, like, something else should be done. And I even noticed that they had a ton of themes that they talked about in The Dark Knight. You know, uh, there's a mayor. One man can make a difference. And, you know, everyone's putting all their hopes in this political figure who ultimately falls from grace. Uh, publicly and uh, I just think that it just hit on so many themes that I think you pointed out it's just like the genre wasn't ready to be parodied quite yet I just think people were expecting one thing or another and not this movie that held a lot of complex themes and tones that i think now everyone would just absolutely go for
1: i agree completely and i think that those themes are this movie's secret sauce for a modern audience
2: because Mm -hmm. when
1: you look at especially right now in this past year you have this idea of a city in which the police force is really challenged, underfunded, and maybe a little bit misdirected. There's some hints in this movie that maybe some of the top brass of the police are maybe pulling some strings in a way which really are not helping people but the people down at the ground level are trying to do their best but they have this problem where the city can't pay them and at the same time you've got these other really interesting ideas and I'm going to pop this up as to a very different way I think this movie can be interpreted. I think that Daryl is someone who his situation is not addressing some needs that he has to have some mental health problems that he's dealing with addressed in a way which lets him get to his full potential because this is a brilliant guy who is socially awkward who's living in a situation where that specific thing holds him back in a way which some other people in the city wouldn't be held back and i think that's a really really interesting lens to watch this movie through
0: that's interesting they did have a scene though where he did get some psychiatric help and uh he did an inkblot test (laughs) which was Incredibly descriptive with all kinds of information. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that- and then he got to the boobs, and he's like, he's like, mm, I don't see it. That's a psychiatrist. The therapist holds it up in front of his chest. And he's like, really, you don't see anything? And then he goes, really, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a nerd. Yep.
1: Yep. The word nerd yeah. has got overused. But
0: it goes one step further because Kevin gets mad at him. <laughs> And his brother's like, he's like, what? Don't you gonna tell him? Like, he's like, I don't go around fighting crimes, silly. What are
1: you talking about?
0: He's like, There's a lot of anger here right now. Is it always this hostile at
1: home? That was the one scene Absolutely. that kind of undermined that little thesis of mine uh, on that in the movie. After that, that kind of goes back to normal. It was like, How could you do this to me? You made me look ridiculous. <laughs>
2: yep. Well, and I, I just speaking to that, I think the casting, you know, you have two uh, in living color alumni, Damon Wayans and David Alan Greer both playing really strong but also really comedic roles I really love this pairing because they know how to work off of each other really Mm -hmm. well David Alan Greer I remember thinking he was more of the straight man when I watched it younger but I was just like they're both equally really comedic and really the the person who I think acts as the straight man is uh Robin Gibbons who played Kimberly Jones uh she is really just grounding because both of these <laughs> characters are just really out there in their own right. But I, I just really love, like, David Alan Greer, every scene he was in, he just committed. And that's the other thing that I really appreciated is these comedic actors who know how to commit fully to that character. It was just so funny. Like, I laughed out loud more times than I was expecting because especially with a lot of these early 90s comedies, I'm anticipating some cringe or some things that just aren't going to go as well, but I was so pleasantly surprised by all of these performances because they were just so fun and comedic physically. Because I know that nowadays most comedy is lent to improv or just more in like the talking and the dialogue or the exchange, but they were just willing to just physically go there. Uh, and I just really love both of their performances with that.
0: No, it's a very good point, and we keep talking about how this is playing better today. Whether it be, I think the fact that it's told the, the cast is and all mostly, and minus Jason Alexander, but and the mayor, but I mean mostly African American cast, and I think that that perspective in a mainstream comedy type movie, Ricky, if you've dived in more into this era than I have. Uh, doesn't seem to me like that was as well of an established thing as it is today where um people are going to say like ah that's a movie that's a movie for me and like i'm gonna go check check that out and it's gonna have a different voice and i want that different perspective and so i wanted to uh, ask you as somebody who's dived specifically into this era is is it ahead of its time in that way too
2: well i'll, I'll just share my experience um The thing to do, especially with a lot of movies that get a wide release with a predominantly black cast, is that you know that you support the black movies, especially because you want them to do well, because you understand the economy of the show business. And I think the weigh-ins weren't as popular as, like, the Murphys. Like, Eddie Murphy, Chris Tucker, like, Everyone knows about them in their movies and if they're going to be in the lead. And the weigh-ins, though a household name, they weren't ever as popular as some of these singular star-focused black comedic talents. Uh, Or even like Martin Lawrence or Will Smith, all these other uh, actors who kind of went more into either action-specific or action-comedy um very few stayed within the realm of comedy comedy that was received as well as some of these other predominantly black led films but i think that this movie with living color still i want to say that it was still on the air at the time uh and that show was doing very well for a while uh until it wasn't uh but it was still uh they were still a household name so i think they were really following the same path that snl was doing at the time which was you know you had these TV actors who were ready to break out into film. Yes. And so when they got that vehicle, because this was also written by Damon Wayans, and so they got him a, a vehicle to show off his acting chops and to show that he was ready to break into that Hollywood scene in that way. But, you know, the Wayans, just as a team, I think that they are always willing to work with each other to bring about each other's dreams. Like, even today, Marlon Wayans has, like, three movies on netflix it seems like going at any point in time and it's because the weigh-ins brand of comedy is just so infectious that like you you know what you can expect from them but you also never know what you're going to get from them and i think that they've kind of carved out their own space in the industry
0: no that's all that's kind of what i was sitting there thinking I, i i it's ahead of its time in that way, too. Uh, and just getting into the, this is a funny movie on its own, though, not into how it was received. Nathan, what are some of the parts of this that just made you laugh? You you mentioned that this movie, each scene made you happy. Like, what are some of these things that it's doing? Like, what are the mechanisms?
1: One of the things that I love most about this movie is the degree of care And love that's gone into everything from the costuming to the gadgets to the way that the script has people interact with everything in a way that just makes me feel like everybody trusted everybody else when making this movie. Because there are so many physical gags with these amazing props where the prop is, I mean, it's not something that you're going to package and sell as a McDonald's Happy Meal exactly but it's something that you believe he could have made in this world. And so there's all these wonderful world building gags to do with how thrown together everything is. And also a lot of the comedy is this situational result of how those things came to be. And, how ridiculous they are. And it's wonderful. You're never, you're never brought out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The gadgets just really made me happy. I mean, perhaps I'm i a, I'm a huge Bond fan and I love Adam West Batman as well. And so to me, tapping into all of that stuff and bringing it into a real world and actually seeing a plunger gun, like in a real life comedy that can't like, there's no way that's going to support a full grown man, but it does. And it works beautifully. And I I mean, there's something Looney Tunes about that. Like Uh this is like Bugs Bunny hopping off of the cartoons and then like working well, like, the rollerblades that like have like wheels, <laughs> like they can't possibly fit into a pair of feet like yeah, that. Yeah. But
1: then like they like you know, that's literally Wiley Coyote's yes. stuff. And I, <laughs> or the times when things work as badly as they should, like in the elevator rescue scene where he's turning his hands around the cable trying to, trying to wind his way down. I'm coming! I'm coming! I'll I'll be there! Almost there! Yep. And it's like, yeah, you built this thing. It do- It is. It is janky, but it's amazing. <laughs>
2: Like, this movie, I feel, like, needed more than any other movie in its genre, Um, the disclaimer, do not attempt this at home. Because I really wanted to. Because I was just like, you know what? That plunger... Like, I'm just like, that suction looks like that... You can hold something on that. You can hold... Like, I... (laughs) Because <laughs> they just did such a good job of making you believe like, oh, he built this. Like, This is all doable.
1: You know what? I am going to, to attach fireworks to the sides of my roller skates. Yeah. That sounds like a great idea.
0: Yeah. Give it a go. The shoe grappling hook. That's 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 another great one, like you know, just tying a boot at the end of a rope. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And and something that uh uh Nathan you brought up uh the quality of care. The moment in the script where they have Blank Man Day and they're going to reopen the banks and give all these police officers their checks, and the police officer's just like Blank Man, what do we do? <laughs> that moment, like I was just so like I felt tension. I was like, wait, what? Well, he doesn't know what to do. Like, yeah. and it it was one of those moments where I'm just like, wait, do we really need to be trusting heroes with all of our problems? Like it, it like actually it. That moment was just so carefully crafted to the point where I was convinced that this was all an inside job. I'm like, wait a second. And it was. the ma- Well, I thought it was like the, the mayor and the police are together. The mayor, the mayor, he's still alive. He's still alive and he's going to be the real villain. I thought that that was going to happen. Oh, it didn't. But like that's oh. the degree. I thought that this is going to be so that the police are in uh, Manelli's pocket and the mayor is – super he's actually the real mastermind behind all of this like that's how pivotal that moment was to me i'm just like wait a second this could be and it wasn't but even just having that kind of questioning of like okay if we are going to actually put this responsibility on these superheroes like to what degree are we expecting any one person to solve all of our problems? And I just thought that that was really strongly done. And in a lesser movie, they wouldn't have even bothered with a moment like that. Yeah. True. And
0: they actually blew
1: the mayor up, too. Yeah. like and he was, yeah. like,
2: dead, dead. Like, really. I, I,
1: I will say, there was a visual language during that scene that I was 100% sure that they were going to remember that hole was there in the floor. And drop all the bombs down that hole, and they I did just think ran past it. And I was like, "Uh, guys, Not just me. I think you could have <laughs> saved the mayor, maybe." Yep,
0: yep. <laughs> but I did. I, that that did occur to me too, because I was like, "That's a pretty big hole. I, I don't know how far that it down there like goes." But bomb it's like
2: a bomb-sized hole, almost. <laughs> like it could fit perfectly that bag of bombs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, that you know. Despite this one little plot loop that you found there, like one of my favorite pieces of care was J five, the super ghetto robot oh looks look, looking hilarious, but it's the washing machine from the opening scene when they're kids. Like, like when in that opening scene, like when You're their grandmother's right. doing laundry, that is J five. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't J- notice that until the second time around.
2: J five has my favorite moment. Maybe in any movie ever, uh, where j is like, my calculations are correct, J5 should be on his way, and it's just <laughs> J5, and then <laughs> he just I was like, listen, whoever had the costume design to put that little pom-pom <laughs> the little pom-pom hair was brilliant because <laughs> j5 moving around with that hair was the greatest physical gag i i was like actually crying laughing i had to i had to pause the movie just to recover so- from that whole scene oh my goodness
0: The glass door, too, was awesome because, like, he he comes and, like, he comes and Kevin's all happy. He's like, yes, we're actually going to be saved by your, like, crappy robot. And then, like, he breaks through the glass door, falls on his face, and you don't think he can get up.
1: (laughs) oh. <laughs> it is so good. One of the things that happens a little bit earlier than that in the movie that made the scene doubly amazing for me is the scene where Daryl is closing down the blank cave subway and he's turning everything off. And I think it is J5 that like makes a sad sound at him. And he goes, oh, don't make this worse than it is. And, I, and at that moment I was like, oh my gosh, these robots are sentient. They are conscious yes. and he is killing them. He's being forced to kill them. <laughs> and then yeah. later in the movie it's like j5 the real hero of this movie he yes. he he left this world too soon I have, a,
0: I have a sneaky suspicion he might pop up for best supporting for somebody then this is this is, oh uh... yes
2: <laughs> i mean i lead oh, maybe man. even because j5 you, you noticing that j5 was the same washing machine from the beginning now i have to rewatch it and watch <laughs> j5's journey it's gonna be like R2D2 is C three PO.
0: There are a number of those things that upon rewatches, just there are small things like that that do sit there and go like, hmm, that's actually a fair bit of consideration for a movie like this that, you know, again I'm watching it twice back to back or close back to back that, you know, I'm taking a discerning eye, but I don't ask for a goofy comedy to do some of these things, and I'm gonna give it some credit for doing that. So yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I mean there are tons of setups and payoffs that I just really really loved. like even the episode of Batman that they chose uh to show in the flashback at the very beginning I'm like they're like recreating this exact episode and yes. and the thing that ended up being uh Manelli's layer at the end I'm just like well this is just this is just all wish fulfillment right now <laughs> and I, at that moment I just imagined Damon Wayne said I want to make a Batman movie, and the studio said, "Well, someone else owns that property." And he pulled a Sam Raimi and said, "I'm going to make my own Batman movie." And he made Blank Man, and Raimi made Dark Man.
0: Gosh, I, I also love the uh, Kevin is such a good straight man to uh, Daryl. And just oh. it's, it's it's like like the, the, the not taking the radio and like having his mother and like like going behind a closed door yelling yeah. at him. You take that radio. Yep, and and he doesn't want to, and sure enough, it it, it makes him look stupid later. Like he's yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. he's in the lunchroom at his work talking to his belt, which looks all kinds of hilarious. And he's like, "Not now, I'm busy. Look, this is as close as I can talk.
2: Yep. I'd like
0: to play, but yep. I got work to do."
2: Yep, and. and- and one of my favorite moments, too, is that was when he finally suited up and they're in the lair. He's like, shoot me! Shoot me! He's like, oh, um, <laughs> your your suit's not, your, your suit's not, not, not And he just, he just actually gets shot. And I'm just like, I love this. I absolutely love this. Of course this would happen to him.
0: Ugh. Now, we haven't talked yet about this this cartoon Villain, like I keep mentioning how cartoonish this movie is in real life, but Joe Polito is uh Joe Polito <laughs> Michael, the suit Manelli. Yes. Is uh he's so physically he's amazing, like as as a, like this cartoonish villain, but also he plays it so well. Yes.
1: Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there. This movie is Batman and Robin crossed with Rainman. And a lot of yeah. the actors are playing one or the other of those movies. Daryl is in the Batman and Robin movie. Kevin is in the Rain Man movie. Manelli is in the Batman movie. The Mayor is in the Rain Man movie. It's kind of amazing to see how they're all like, this role is truly this thing.
2: Oh, yeah. And I mean, John Polito is just, he, again, just someone who delivers 100%, just like leaving nothing, nothing but everything on the stage. And I just loved it. Even just his little lines like, so you're not, you're not joking. You're not pulling my chain. You're asking for trouble? It's like, yeah. Well, you'll get it. I'm just like, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and they yeah. kill him.
1: that's amazing. Yeah.
0: He is pretty brutal like, you know, I mean, he yeah. like shoots up a whole election office. I mean, uh, so yeah. he, he he's a legitimate bad guy, but somehow he's still funny. Like like when he dumps coffee on the guy in the wheelchair's lap and he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like I he's love like, this
1: guy. <laughs> okay, I was half expecting mr stone to later in the movie turn out to not be paraplegic and like stand up and be like that actually really did
2: hurt yeah oh yeah and jason alexander like i when i saw his name in the credits i'm like i don't remember jason alexander being in this movie and then he showed up and i was like (laughs) wow which is it's just like and i also was like this is also early enough in Jason Alexander's career where he has to wear a bald cap pre you know him s- saving costume and wardrobe sometime, but I mean he did he did a really great job, and I really believed his his whole character it just and that that's also something I think just might be an era thing, but I forgot so much about like tabloid newspapers that' just like, okay, just go to the wall <laughs> and he just starts throwing darts at all <laughs> these different things. Uh ask Vice President,
0: alien, SM sex
2: Right it And
1: then two scenes later it's like, ah, and this guy won't talk to us anymore. Yeah, you ran that made up story about
2: him.
0: Yep. Oh. It's tabloid television. We can do whatever we want. We can find out anything. I did like I do like the uh, like continuing like, how did you find me? Like like how did you find my base? It wasn't that hard. Yep. <laughs> Complete like no exposition, just just you know poking fun in the genre love it yeah one thing that i didn't think you did mention how well this movie's aging the only thing that i didn't think or the big thing that caught me was like there was a tv like a uh, show kind of like maury or like you know ricky yes. lake or something like that and they had quote unquote midget man and gay man oh, and gosh. and um i was sitting there going like wow most of this is going to play really well today this is the only thing that i like made me sit there and go like eh, this this is you don't make this in
2: 2021 yeah and that's the other thing that i was trying to make it make sense i'm just like ah, i mean
0: they're heroes yeah, they're good guys yeah
2: i yeah but well at the time when uh tony cox was saying yeah yeah midget man i'm like okay i i can go with it it's the 90s terms evolve sure and then gay man showed up i was like well you know <laughs> i don't think that that one's gonna <laughs> yeah, that one's do, too hard it's to gonna fly the same but that kind of goes back to the whole kick-ass thesis is that like once one person started because what i also thought was gonna happen is that at the end All of the other people from that panel were going to show up and say, we're here, Blank Man. We're going to take him down. And he basically forms his own little Blank Man Justice League. (laughs) And that is what I wanted more than anything. It's just for that whole world to just be built from the ground up.
0: You might have been able to get that, had this profited enough, and then been greenlit for a sequel.
2: It
1: would have been the return of other Man.
0: (laughs) still yeah like he might have gotten an even worse name like other guy man
1: And and he gets the (laughs) t-shirt
0: maybe they would like maybe they would incorrectly assume that he's like robin like he's younger or something like that like was a karate
1: kid kid
0: (laughs) yeah he's my younger brother i'm older than him yep
1: there is a scene i wish we had where the the new mayor is like wait we got to give awards to two people (laughs) oh no what else can we get this t- We have this t-shirt! <laughs> t- <laughs>
2: which I just found out very recently, just because I was curious. They have a uh, an actual uh, Blank Man t-shirt that you can buy on Etsy. I mean, you could also probably just make your own. But, you know, people made merch from this movie. Like It resonates with at least this person who's selling the t-shirt on Etsy. Because I think this movie probably has, like, a larger cult following than a lot of people would expect. Because I I know when Black Panther came out, for example, a lot of people were like, uh, yeah, this is, like, one of the first mainstream Black-led superhero movies. And people were saying, oh, no, Catwoman... <laughs> was also there i'm just like we don't count cat woman everyone but then i was just like but is everyone really forgetting about blank man because i remember blank man i feel like blank man should be brought to the table at least to this conversation you
0: shortlisted meteor man as well and both of
2: those popped into my head and yeah to which everyone says first serious
0: you know like like a marvel universe i was like well there is blade wesley snipes did Three movies and stuff like that. Yeah, and people are like, oh yeah, yeah, but I mean, this is the first. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, like,
2: <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> Depending on what you want to categorize this, for sure. Uh, but I mean, how se- many adjectives are you going to throw on this? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, blank man, I I do remember thinking it wasn't as serious. As it was, but, like, seriously, like, rewatching it today, I'm like, no, like, this movie, like, it, though it is in the comedy genre, they still have uh, serious tones in it. And the stakes are real. Their grandmother died. Yeah. Uh, people yeah. were murdered. The A public official was assassinated. Like, they, these are real things. And, and just because uh, David Wayans is playing, like, a very heightened character... Um, a portrayal of a of a nerdy character right down to like the fork glasses i just I, I loved it i just i'm like yes give me all of this you know they still wrote a solid movie with characters who have desires who are still people and it's not just joke after joke like i think a lot of the later parody scary movies became where it's just like references references jokes yes. jokes like this is like no these are characters with bits and characters with these moments, but that would make sense within this world yeah. that they created. And I, I just, I just really, really loved it.
0: No, that's a, that's a very good point. I will say later on, Tron and Marlin's efforts sometimes get a little bit lazier. And I guess you can cash checks at a, at an <laughs> alarming rate. I don't know how many scary movies they got up to, but I mean. When you only put like a year in between them and stuff like that, and you do just want to keep going back to the well and you want to keep like if someone says get this out now, it's going to make lots of money. But you're right. This movie didn't make money. And it's a bit of a shame because it's better crafted. You know, absolutely. You know, I like I like the love triangle that they make where like the both brothers like Kimberly and consistently time and time again, she likes the guy who's out there nerdy completely weird dressed in bed sheets and like around his neck and she just keeps falling for him over and over again head over heels
2: and <laughs> my favorite moment was like at the end when she's just like i knew it was you and they just start making out i'm just like i love this movie like it's just it's it is doing everything right and uh i want to say actually i forget who says this but like uh we we quoted a lot on uh, uh, flashback flicks but it's always a stronger choice to parody the things that you love uh, you can tell the weigh-ins like really love batman and that whole world even though it was uh you know it fell from favor after a while but that they, they love the campiness they love like they really wanted to be batman like i'm sure so many kids of that era wanted to be and you know every kid whoever ever sees batman like yep that's my future job occupation but uh, I, I can tell that they re- this was like a real love letter to growing up with those types of movies and also just superheroes as a whole.
0: Now, Damon Wayans is the creative force and the primary performer, in the main. This is his vehicle on this one. But Nathan, director Mike Bender, what do you think that he brings to this? To also kind of we we talked about the amount of craft and care in this one. I don't want to go. I don't want to go without talking about like this is. Pretty well directed for this movie and uh, for for a movie of this type. Do you want to give Mike Bender any props here?
1: Yeah, I want to give him some props for these big crowd scenes where close to the beginning when Mayor Harris is running and the mobsters slowly make their way in there's a real sense of threat that i felt was actually a pretty modern feeling scene it's all at head height they're emerging from the crowd they're coming through they're starting to starting to make their move and nothing comes across as overly cartoony in the directing itself it's it's really it's really cool i can't
0: man, i can't believe how many times i kept saying like I'll, my big change or the thing that I would do differently or my critiques of this is I would just do more of what you're doing. Like during that montage, like when he was doing successful crimes, I want to see more like hilariously successfully executed crimes. Like when you start saying like, oh, I want more of that. Yeah. You know, that's when you know you really got something. And so I think uh Damon Wayans and Mike Bender, again, I wish there was more information online about this. There's really not. I suspect that there was a good working relationship there. This is me only speculating, but because it seems to be executed pretty well for the vision.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that vision was really executed well because like it wasn't as Tim Burton art deco-y and the city like like it it was like this is raw Chicago. Right, like this is Chicago, right? Like and it's just and it's meant to feel like that, but also all the things that happened around it that were Kind of being injected into which i think just happens with any kind of uh superhero any presence of the superhero kind of ups the ante of like the whole world around it and so naturally all of the villains are going to get more cartoony by comparison but i do think that it it just was so grounded and i think that that vision was executed so well with the director and all the acting from The entire cast. When I first watched it and Damon Wayans was doing his character, I was just like, man, I wish he wasn't as cartoony. Like, just, that was just my first impression. But then I'm like, I believe him to be real. Like, like 20 minutes in, I'm like, no, he just exists. He's a real human. He's just, he really exists in this world. Uh, and, I, and I think that's just a, a testament to not only, you know, Damon having himself be the character who he wants to portray as the main hero, but also in knowing the direction of the world. Because the, the, the world that the hero exists in informs the hero. And so there's a reason why... Batman occupies Gotham and not Metropolis. Like it's a two, it's a very different need there and also a different background to the story. And I just love that. Like man, wasn't just motivated to save the city because you're like, Oh, I'll be popular. Uh, or I'll finally be cool. Like his whole, his whole moral compass was just to do good and do good by his grandmother. And I was just like, that's just so compelling. I'm just so on board with this. I love it. And uh, and you don't get those emotional highs and lows without, like, a really strong director. So, definitely.
0: One more Mike Bender thing that uh, we talked about this being Chicago, but they actually put a couple of these semi-ambitious, like, overhead shots that, like, showed the, the stakes of what's in play. It's the corruption of the government. Like, it's the city in play. And, like, they have like, these long shots of Chicago, which is kind of funny. Like, they're trying to make it look gray and, like, dismal in the foreground, but still the beautiful Chicago skylines in the distance at the same time. But also these overhead shots of like these city intersections and stuff like that, they do it about five, six times in the movie and they're helicopter shots and stuff like that. And I'm sort of going like, that's, that is Nolan-esque. Nolan likes to shoot down from high buildings and from helicopters and show like, again, he has said like, this is what's in play. This is, this is the board game that's in front of us. And these are the stakes and it's big. It's the whole city and it's bigger than just one person. And I, I did sit there and going like, wow, again, I don't ask for this out of a comedy movie, but. Those little transitions and stuff like that. Way to use the location. Great location, too, of oh, yeah. Chicago.
1: Yeah. And it's not just those overall establishing shots that are like that either. It's also that very long, really awesome scene where Daryl and Kimberly are riding the amazing subway sidecar vehicle. <laughs> yes. And. They're not just shooting on the vehicle and stationary on side. They're following along. They're helicoptering along. I mean, I would take that over the Lois and Superman flying scene any day. Yes, just such a such a hilarious, great, great scene. Well shot. The craft that went into all the equipment just hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Uh, and you know what?
0: Sometimes it was it was ghetto on purpose, paying homage to Adam West Batman, like the news station room. I'm My first thought the first time through was just, like, I'm very aware I'm looking at, like, a, a very cardboardy set of a newsroom. Yep. But then the second time through is just like, oh, this is meta. Like, this is totally what they want it to be. Like, the color spectrum is actually a little bit like retro. This looks like the flatness of, like, an Adam West Batman like news station or something like that. I didn't pick up on that the first time. And clearly, nor did the critics, because only
1: 19% of them liked it. Yeah. You know, I think what I'm realizing is, because I I did watch the Roger Ebert and, and, and Siskel interview oh, did you? on what they thought of this movie. And Siskel, like it better than ebert but what he said essentially was he thought the the first half or first two thirds were hilarious and really great and then it petered out by the end when what i think they weren't realizing was something that ricky you said earlier that this is a movie that they are slowly transforming it into a literal episode of adam west batman and So it starts off in a way that's serious and toned and has all these themes to the environment of what's going on around them in the, you know, realistic Chicago city. And by the end of it, it slowly morphs into an episode. And that actually goes to address what my main criticism of the movie was in the feeling I had that the mobster plot was a little bit too separate from where Daryl had come from and Kevin had come from. I I felt that it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch to connect those two, but knowing that that's what they were going for, it's, it is kind of cool in retrospect to think about it that way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I think my, I mean, honestly, my only complaint from the movie, it, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how it does exist. I, I only have notes of how I would modernize it. Cause I think the script on its own, you 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 change a couple of references, like you know maybe reworkshop gay man uh, and some other <laughs> other references like that. But like uh, like yeah, put hipster man in there. Yeah, hipster man. Maybe <laughs> figure out how you have that bomb-shaped hole uh, in the bank maybe patch that up a little bit but other than that uh, I would just modernize it by grounding Kevin a little bit more into because I want to see more of his world and more of how he sees the world just a little bit different because again we're looking at a different era of what being a nerd was so like we're looking at like Urkel versus Sheldon Cooper right and it's just like it's a different of timeline and reference both are the same but i think just as the you know the world and public opinion change and the and what it means to be a nerd or a geek shifts uh, it would be interesting to see what that iteration will look like
0: now if would you change or modernize the amazing wardrobe in this movie do you would you keep it the red and long johns and the floral all beaches? stays
1: none of that changes It has to be set in stone
0: (laughs) maybe his mask is a sham wow (laughs) so that it soaks up a lot of water and you use that at one point that's the only thing that i'm thinking at some point and just be like i will
2: (laughs) allow it i will allow it
0: yeah that that is the only thing uh for sure and uh yes even other guys uh suit was amazing it was a michigan Michigan sweatshirt with a
1: hat and football (laughs) pants that were pink (laughs) Little <laughs> Fedora, I love the, the it. readiness. I gotta say, the other guy's suit was cool—the smaller, more fitted eyepiece, the mask, the the hat. Loved it great
0: now ricky how fun is this soundtrack because i didn't expect that because this i guess enough times gone by where it's just like this is a throwback for me of just like this is a whole lot of fun
2: the art of the movie soundtrack that's one of the things i miss the most about movies and music because like i used to buy because i grew up in houston i every tuesday it was music release day. I would go over. I, would, I said go over. My mom would take me to Sound Waves, and I would always get the latest release. But if it was a movie that had a movie soundtrack, I bought it because they had such hits. And that that movie soundtrack just like even just from the opening, the little Blake Man uh, number, like Blake Man. I was like, I'm take. I I, I am that. transported back to 1994. There is a a squeeze it within arm's reach of me and dunkaroos <laughs> are in the pantry and I was gonna say gush still- I I, yes. I have just sense memory to just that kind of sound of that music. And it was just so good. Like and those soundtracks just did something a little bit different.
0: Now, Nathan, you're a little bit
1: younger than Ricky and I, so like I would have been about uh, one year old at that. I was gonna time. say,
0: so you missed, you missed, you missed this early phase of uh, hip hop, <laughs> which I might add is more fun. Like oh. hip hop was just a lot more fun at this point; Man. it wasn't so serious at that, uh, which as it would soon become after this. What was your take on hearing some of that, like thrown into this goofy superhero movie?
1: I thought it was a, a great balance that they struck between the the hip hop side and then also slowly transitioning into the like uh, operatic comic book movie fight scene type music and and all those all those things where it's all the brass hits and the and and, and the foreboding strings oh you're right they they drop they drop the r&b stuff out, they, they, they they drop it slowly and some of those scenes gradually start being more strings oriented and and more up more orchestral it's mm-hmm. cool it oh, is really cool i didn't, cool. F- I didn't did. notice that it's right really away cool. huh I didn't pick up
0: on that. So you're yeah. So you're right. The hip hop and the uh, R and B stuff from the beginning starts to drop out as he becomes a superhero, more more full fledged. That's interesting.
2: That, that that's cra- well crafted. Oh, just so good. Like I just like that. That takes thought. That just takes a great team and just such quality of care. I just love it. Like the more we talk about this movie, I'm just like, do I to get? Does this movie exist on Blu-ray? Like, can I get? Because I the because yeah. the DVD. <laughs> uh exist as a lot of early DVDs do where the special features are languages or trailers for other movies. Yeah.
0: There's not much extra to bite into on this one. And that was a bummer.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But it's I just really enjoy so much of this movie. And the, the music was just so great. Cause like there's also this this uh this trope and I'm only now just kind of becoming aware of it. But anytime there was like a uh characters are falling in love scene Like, just one of the best R&B songs, you you would be like, oh yeah, obviously, this is a song you fall in love to, plays, and it's different every time, but in every single movie, you hear it, and you're like, yep, of course. Like, I don't know why, I guess the reason why I haven't been falling in love is because I my moments have not been soundtracked by... Amazing R&B music.
1: That's right. You need to queue up your Spotify a little bit differently now. You need to have a speaker on your belt that you can just tap on when you know that moment's coming. Yes. Yeah. I th-
2: <laughs> I think now is the time.
0: Now, uh, do you guys want to hand out some awards? I do. Russell, I would love it. Ricky, give us the honor. Who is your MVP of Blank Band?
2: <sighs> it's 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 tough, but and I mean this in all sincerity. This isn't like a dig at anyone. J5 is the absolute MVP of this entire ah. movie. I
0: he he jumped the supporting into the MVP for you.
2: I am
1: right there with you. That's
2: MVP J5. <laughs> That moment just destroyed me. Like I, I needed time to recover.
1: Is J Five in your
0: top ten movie droids? Yes. Yes. Maybe. <laughs>
2: I, I, I don't know who's at the top, but he's in the top five for sure. Oh man,
1: I, I love it. That moment when Kimberly is 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 looking at Daryl crying over the broken remains of J Five, and she's. <laughs> This man has a heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how it gets to the point where he can't do anything wrong. Like when he's just like, "Okay, I'm yeah, gonna leave it. you now." And she's just like, "She's just like, I love how you maintain a sense of humor in these elevated, stressful situations." <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. It's just like laying an unreal real thick, and I love Such it. Such a great <laughs> Yep. Uh, so, so J five for both of you guys. Then, all right, I, I'm go- I gotta go, Damon Wayans on this one, just because you know, yes. as the writer, the star, and I, you know. Uh, if nothing else, he screams like a woman. So, and like somebody help that lady. Oh
2: gosh! <laughs> yeah, shoot him in the face. Just that whole scene is just crazy. so so good. Yeah. Oh man. And Damon Wayans. I mean, and seriously, J Five. Just Damon Wayans did such a great job writing for J Five that you know I'll I'll give him a consideration in that category. But seriously, like J Five, like to know that you want that character in the movie just like don't like if anyone's like oh do we need this robot it's like yes we do don't question me this this robot needs to be in the movie and it's gonna be great oh yeah a lot like a lot. throughout. out <laughs> oh think
0: about it when he's looking for the blank cave it's not gonna be that funny unless j5s <laughs> they're talking back and forth him. <laughs> yeah like,
2: you're right j5 it does smell like pee like, little hair just (laughs) shagging about just carrying all the stuff yeah
1: and and j5 has a sense of humor too there was some humor in this movie that was a little bit on the crude end but i was coming to the realization of how sentient j5 was during the scene where he rescues them and you know that j5 deliberately cut the holes in the aquarium tank exactly where he did because he knew that would be funny
2: j5 was like oh this is a good bit Yep, I'm huh. going to make
0: it look like you two are pissing. <laughs> any any any, any uh, bomb sniffs the the bomb yeah. into the lady's bathroom the one place that he knew <laughs> we couldn't go. So <sighs> all right, so uh, best supporting
2: Ricky. As much as I like to give it to uh, David Allen Greer, I would have to say uh, Robin Givens, just as Kimberly John's amazing supporting. I, I really think that she carried a lot of the the grounding. uh, and, and she just, she, I was believing her throughout the entire relationship. She's like, he's just unlike any other guy I've ever met. He's just so caring. <laughs> and
0: that's after being so skeptical yep. to Kevin in the news station too. So like, like this is just, you're right. She's so genuine and, uh, and she is quite a catch too, to the point where it's just like, What's happening yep. <laughs> in this reality? <laughs> like what why is this very pretty woman like,
1: you know, yep. falling head over heels? Well, she doesn't know anything about
2: about nope.
0: Daryl. It is a bit of a revenge of the nerds moment, though, and so you
1: know. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So uh Nathan, who's your best supporting? Following up on Kimberly, I, I do think that Kevin Walker, played by David Allen Greer, is the other half of that stabilizing bedrock in this movie where Daryl is giving him such a hard time he's having to support this guy who's just a genius but his talents just don't work in the world that they live mm-hmm. in and gradually over the course of the movie he comes to realize just how valuable daryl's mind is and, and everything and he sells that transition and that seriousness in a way that i just loved through the through the movie
0: oh he he yeah he injects a lot of humor. I wish he had gotten more roles. Just, I I feel like he's a versatile guy who can do humor, but also be a supporting guy who makes things better. I often wonder why we don't see a little more of him.
2: Yeah. David Allen Greer. I mean, he, he has one of those interesting careers because he's been around for a while. Like he, he, I I know he's had a couple of sitcoms. I think his most recent sitcom uh, was like on NBC. Uh, And it was like a, he was like an older family man kind of sitcom but he's been around and he's just uh, a treasure i i know he was in boomerang um with uh eddie murphy and also you know i i'm blinking i'm oh yeah robin gibbons was also in boomerang that's where i actually know her from i'm just like robin gibbons is in this movie uh and so his career i think is just so classic and uh but he, he's another one of those I feel like him and so many of the weigh-ins are like, as far as career goes, or career-wise from in Living Color goes, I'd say he's more of a Martin short than like a Steve Martin as far as like career trajectory post SNL. Like really strong, really good at their craft, but like they they don't necessarily have as pervasive of, of a career because of, uh, you know, their strengths in going to that extreme. Like, not many people have, like, or I should say kind of like Jim Carrey. Like, even though Jim Carrey did come from Living Color, uh, oh, you know he's, that he's, like, you get Jim guy. Carrey for what Jim Carrey brings, which is physical and rubber face. Uh but it's like... Uh, but you're not going to have him be as everywhere nowadays, as much as he was back in the time when that was what people wanted.
0: I I think there's something about being a type of actor and don't get me wrong. The powerhouses like a Jim Carrey are amazing people, but like there's something that's really nice to see. Some, some comedians can do that. Some comedians can Mm -hmm. enhance and make everybody around them better. And I'm thinking of somebody like a Phil Hartman or somebody like that of like, you know, he doesn't take over, but boy, he sure makes everything around him better. And I think that's true of this yeah. guy too. So All right. Uh my best supporting is gonna be Lynn Thigpen. Grandma oh. Walker was awesome. I we lost yep. her too soon. She was amazing. Uh she was sassy, but also I love it when she yells at him, You're gonna take that belt <laughs> <laughs> And uh I, I knew she was familiar, you know, she uh she was on Carmen San Diego, the geography-based yes! trivia show, as she the was uh, chief, and I didn't. I, oh! Yes, and so I loved Carmen oh. San Diego. I, 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 I'm a geography nerd, or, or at least I was at that yeah. age and stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I think this game show has been killed by simply having Google for kids to be able to like look up countries <laughs> and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it used to be a game show where like they would ask you where what, what is this country shape, or you know, and they would read some fact, and you'd have to be like ah. That is yep. Morocco. So anyway, uh yeah, Lynn Thinkpin. Now, hidden gem, Ricky.
2: Ooh, I'd say I'm gonna go with the mayor. Nice. Uh I I, I think the mayor was really compelling as as his role. Like the you know, the, the, that's a good grounding character and, and great dynamic to establish uh like everyone trying to put hope into this. This one person, like, there's this this whole campaign, like, one person can make a difference, and maybe it's just because we're, like, coming off of an election year. I'm just like, this just feels, like, so timely. Uh, But, like, I I think that the mayor's role in the story uh, and his character uh, was very believable. Like, he wasn't, like, this overly... Sleazy or cheesy politician, like he did he just felt real, and so i I really enjoyed that
1: so Christopher Lawford,
2: yes, sir, thank you yeah.
1: yeah and neither was he overly earnest he's naive at the beginning, and there's that one scene that I think is so important to this movie where blank man is going around doing good deeds, but they're you know they're they're, they're, they're small scale, they're minor, but he sees them on TV and in a moment when he seems to be about to capitulate to the mob, and he does this great bit of face acting where you just see him decide you know what i'm not gonna do mm-hmm. this and he turns around and 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 stands up to them and i thought that scene was just so great yeah. so excellent acting job
0: yeah nathan what about you Re- or, sorry um hidden
1: shim the props department yes every little bit of this movie oh, wonderful from, choice from the overly full house brimming with inventions to the subway station that is practically alive and sentient and they walk through it and have all these great gadgets and, and and tricks to the physical humor that was built into a lot of these scenes that was based on and reliant on these props being so good i just love them especially the the winner for me goes of non-sentient props let's say to the subway sidecar that was just (laughs) such a hilarious idea
0: yes it was good Uh, was that's a great choice i love it uh i'm gonna go with michael wayans who is young daryl and is the son of damon wayans because i actually my wife will sit there and say like i I have like this strange pet peeve of like young actors not being even (laughs) anywhere in the vicinity of the physical description of what like their adult versions are and i even sat there and go like on the second time through because i had I hadn't done my homework too closely on this yet, so I, uh, I did sit there and I go like, man, see, they got good kids for this movie. Well, they actually were the kids of yep. the actual actor, <laughs> so perfect, uh, perfect way to get a good young actor is to have your son play yep. you, so uh, uh, I, I love that. So Recast, if, so if you had to recast somebody and put somebody else in their place, even though we've talked about this being a pretty strong cast, uh, who would you, who'd you uh, recast? Ricky.
2: That is tough, but I—I I mean, if I were to were to recast anyone, and this is also doubling as my pitch for the modern adaptation of Blank Man, the rise of other guy, uh, I th- Damon <laughs> Wayans Jr. Uh, to replace Damon Wayans. I think that
1: yes. he <laughs> is so
2: f- the, he the, he has the same physical comedy chops that his dad does. Uh, I loved him in Happy Endings. Uh, and he just is always willing to just take it to the nth degree. And if you haven't seen Let's Be Cops, he's great in that movie as well. But yeah, D- D- Damon Wayans Jr. for me, for sure.
1: Yeah,
0: I kind of set <laughs> you up on that one.
1: Uh, Nathan, uh, recast. Well, I kind of hate to do this a little bit, because we've talked about how great some of this acting is, but unfortunately, I think one of the things that held this movie back is name recognition. So, as just imagine if this movie had someone like a Will Smith attached to it. In I'm not sure if the best place is the Kevin or the Daryl role, but I I do feel like that might have pushed this over the top. Kevin, Kevin, he, yeah, yeah,
0: he'd be a good straight man because, like in Bad Boys, he's the straight man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I I will say there is a part of me that wants to see the Daryl performance a little bit modified because. Like I've been talking about earlier, it's a little bit hard to tell sometimes exactly actually what is fully parody and what is actually like a really touching mental health sketch, mm-hmm. because I I think I think that it toes that line in a way which I kind of would appreciate one more take to make it feel like this character is a little bit more clear which direction it right. is. So that's that's my note. Yeah. there. OK, that's that's
0: a OK. Yeah. So you are going to sell more tickets that way. Mm-hmm. That's for sure um my recast is going to be a smaller character i this is sometimes i cop out and i go down the cast list when i like the cast so much but um daryl has a boss mr crud who's like (laughs) a really southern effeminate man (laughs) who's just really over the top and i don't know that like i don't i think going that big on that small of a character was a weird choice i do want to get somebody who does a good slow burn and uh a a younger ben stiller at the time would have been somebody who would have been peeved and perturbed with him on the job without being so i don't know too much is a is better word for it so i want to see ben stiller getting frustrated with him being like daryl <laughs>
2: yeah i had a random idea i you, you brought up ben stiller and that immediately made me think of uh mystery men yes i just i made on the podcast we talk about headcanon i think that this just exists in that same universe. Uh, and that this is just a prequel to Mystery Men. Oh, that's
0: a, I'm glad you brought Mystery Men up. That's another underappreciated movie, by the way.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. It's oh. Anyway, I I don't know if the, I don't know if that one's too new for that
0: should be done on your show at some point.
2: Oh, we we have done it. That's why it's so fresh in my mind. Okay. I'm just like, wait a second, because I think we I think we did it when the uh, the Justice League came out. Okay, and perfect. so we we're like, wait a second, another superhero team up, Mystery Men.
0: <laughs> that's a great that's another good that's another good parallel here
2: uh now best shot ricky best shot i i mean for me it's the moment where the the crowd is chanting for uh blank man blank man and he's walking like to the bank and the whole crowd is behind him chanting and he's just like okay they're expecting <laughs> you to saw something and you don't know what you're doing i'm just like i I feel this. He feels small. In that he feels so. It was just yeah. such a such an honest little moment, and also it, again, like that's one of my favorite moments in the movie because like it actually brings about like the reality of just like being a hero is more than just like stopping a couple of crimes. Just like when the city is like expecting you to like solve all their problems and you don't know how to. It's just like, what are you gonna do? And so I just really I I think that that shot was just really. Uh, powerful and, and and showed like the stakes of that moment.
0: That's a wonderful pick. I can see that being on the back of the box. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, what about you? What's your best shot?
1: I'm going to go with the entry to the subway station with Kimberly and Daryl when they're they they, they get in and it's just this wonderful, almost approaching Blade Runner levels of neon yes. and grunge and everything's whirring and speaking and beeping around them and she's just totally blown away and so is the audience. Yep.
0: Uh my best shot is going to be the elevator force perspective where the camera <laughs> shot is looking up like you have no clue yep. how far this elevator is and they really milk this uh this this fishing <laughs> line grappling hook as Nathan mentioned earlier he touched on this one a little bit earlier but then the camera relatively uh wisely this is a good move by the director and then it switches angle and just shows kevin like hopping down 12 inches and there's no need for this gadget whatsoever yes. and that can't then that uh, the comedy of the gadget the excessiveness of this character and everything clever perspective work on the camera there to make you think it's a long way down and then changed greatly so the i love it when the camera work makes you mm-hmm. laugh that's hard to do actually as a director so that's gonna be my best shot because the direct the director himself made me laugh on this one. Yeah. So um best scene, Ricky.
2: I mean, I said it before. It's J5. Get it. Just... <laughs> J Five just getting J coming to that the rescue. whole rescue moment with J Five is just the best scene for me. It is. So hilarious, and, and so I went back and watched the movie trailer. They give that moment away in the trailer, which I it's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves is when you give away like one of the funniest comedic moments in this movie in the trailer. Uh, but yeah, that 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 whole scene of J. The rescue the rescue mission that J. Five goes on is my favorite scene.
1: Great choice there. Now, Nathan, what is your best scene? The subway sidecar mm-hmm. scene. So just backing up a little bit. He's driving up. You're wondering if he's going to be late. Is the thing going to break down? It's sparking all over the place. Who knows? She's looking around the platform. There he is, the hero himself. Everything's just so perfectly put together to make you believe that. She would fall for this person because she's never really talked to him or encountered his real personality. She's seeing the perfect side of him. Everything turns out to work. Everything goes right just this one time. And it's amazing.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a great choice. And by the way, that was a consideration for my best shot with the, the, the camera that they had angled down there and a the little bit of shaking and uh-huh. stuff like that. Like, I actually dug the uh, the front perspective of that, yeah. too. So. That's 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 a really good choice as well. My best scene is going to be when uh, Kevin gets shot and uh, Daryl has to step up and be the superhero, yep. and um, all of that, that whole thing of the warehouse. You know the 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 nunchucks, the electric <laughs> nunchucks are so hilarious. I'm I'm actually laughing really hard at how how crappy people are just walking into the yes. nunchucks and getting taken out yes. by them. I mean, it, it's campy. They actually put in the bam biff pow yes. zap like yeah, yeah. like renderings from from the Adam West Batman. But this to me is the movie is clicking in high gear at this point, and this is my best scene. So
1: they're knocking it over a bunch of what are really foam pool noodles yeah. on people's heads yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, everything so
0: everything about this i love the ga- i love the gadgetry and so the gadgetry is in high is in high form on this one too and it's all wrapped up by pushing them out the like 20 doors for some yes <laughs> 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 the, the rocket roller blades are a great finish mm-hmm. on this one so uh and I, I did something and go like there's no building that has this many vestibules was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, this is a convention center <laughs> um...
1: Yeah. Great, great just little bit of cutting editing work there.
0: Uh so uh best wardrobe moment because we we did mention they saying what is the best piece of wardrobe in this Ricky.
2: Oh, there's there's so so many I gotta I gotta give it to Michigan State <laughs> that uh
0: <laughs> the non-bulletproof Michigan State sweater. Non-bulletproof I mean, like... <laughs> Michigan State sweater because
2: I just it that whole moment of like Oh, Yeah, he has some household stuff and even like his whole wardrobe. Like, okay, yeah, he has like uh, like uh, underalls and rubber gloves, and I think his grandmother's old like dress or robe, like all those other things. But he literally just went into his closet, <laughs> just like Michigan State, and uh, this is the cape, and then just he just grabbed his actual like gym clothes and. I just love that a pinch of detail. So for me, it's, it's Michigan State.
0: Great. Nathan, is it going to be a fort, pair of fork glasses or <laughs> what is it going to be?
1: You know, it's actually not. It's, it's associated with one of the funniest lines I have in the movie. Only a real man can rob a bank in satin when <laughs> Nanelli pops up out of the series. And it's like, Anybody can rob a yeah. bank. And he's just wearing this absolutely ridiculous wardrobe. And at that point in the movie, I realized this is a movie where in Batman, there's this whole concept of Batman has inspired people to become comic book villains. In this, Minelli already was a little bit of a comic book yep. villain, and Blank Man has inspired him to take the wardrobe parts as silly as he wants it to go. Yes. All
0: right. Yeah. Um. So my best wardrobe moment's definitely gonna be the mask that Damon Wayans wears. This blank man—it's just—it's—it's uh, it's on his face, and it still leaves enough room for him to like express himself and do all the acting that he needs to do. He's deliciously campy, and it's just—it's uh, a towel with eye holes cut out into it, and that's all it yep. is. So, yep. My change, po- or sorry, change one thing, Ricky.
2: Ooh, change one thing. I would change. It is, there's no real reason for this, so just know that i would change this to being a 70s movie that that would be my only change is that
0: everything's funnier in the 70s the styles <laughs> the leisure suits and the hair i mean sure like i i think i'm just gonna get more laughs out of that i'm, I'm buying
2: because that. what i want to happen as a byproduct is that they actually meet. i mean of course this is you know we're talking modern times but um you know the late great adam west i would have loved for an Adam West appearance to happen in the '70s while Batman oh. is on, while all of this other stuff is happening, and that he probably would do that too. I, I just like, ugh, he, I I just think that
0: he comes on Family Guy to do the Mayor Adam right? West. So I so <laughs> I bet you could do that. I bet you could get him in oh, there.
2: I I just think that that would have been the thing to do. So if 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 when they were making this movie, it was set in the '70s, and they were just like, "Can we get Adam West, please?" He doesn't even have to be... You're making me want... He doesn't even have to be in a bat suit. Just get real-life Adam West just to show up. And I just think that that would have been a great moment. You're making
1: me really want a Blank Man edition of WandaVision. Where it's like a <sighs> whole bunch of eras. Yes. And th- they've trapped themselves in this fictional world of various eras of television yes. superhero comedies. I,
2: I'm here for it. You let me know when you launch that Kickstarter and I will be your first supporter. <laughs>
0: nathan change one thing
1: all right i think that kevin's character is really close just one fairly minor change away from being just super interesting and deep in a way that would make this really interesting movie i mentioned earlier that i thought the mob was a little bit removed from the origins of this of this movie that it didn't come out of left field or anything but It feels like there could be a little bit more connectivity to it, and I feel like it would be really awesome if Kevin knew that his boss, Mr. Stone, was involved with or likely to rat something he knew to the mob and that it was made obvious at some point that he was up between a rock and a hard place in those decisions he's making early on where Daryl is driving him up the wall with the early phases of this experimentation. And at the same time, Kevin is really trying to make it at this journalism job. I thought it would be really interesting if it felt like Kevin was maybe considering some other route and had a little bit more inner conflict with that uh, that would have made for a very interesting bit of character growth hmm. for me. Wow, that's that's a lot of complexity to add to this. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you might be well suited
0: for the headcanon portion of the flashback flick show on that. Uh, that, that was ambitious. Yeah. I love it. Um, Might change one thing Um, is going to just simply be, I do want a few moments of warmth between Daryl and mm-hmm. Kevin. They are brothers. He looks after him. And... Uh, while he's super frustrated with him and everything bad happens to Kevin and it's hilarious, I do think, uh, you know, like there there was a moment where they had a funeral for the grandmother and stuff like that. And, you know, it was Damon crying in the most cartoonish way. This is one moment where I thought uh, Mike Bender probably should have been like, this is, it's okay to have some moments of heart. We need to like these characters Mm -hmm. and it's okay for him to actually be crying and have Daryl actually just put his arm around his shoulder and be like, you know, we it's just us now we got each other and i'll take care of you kind of thing and that's all you really need to do it, it, and honestly like it, it's a small thing but it's just shows how much these characters love each other and why you know basically kevin puts up with <laughs> daryl even though he drives him <laughs> absolutely nuts all the time yeah. so go ahead show the show, show go ahead give me hit me in the sweet spot there a little bit so i'm a softy i need that yeah
1: so yeah go for it
0: um Best quote of the movie, and of which there are many. Um, of which there are many. Ricky. Oh
2: man! Okay, man. I <laughs> does the sound of J. Five falling down the flight of stairs count as a quote? <laughs> uh, no, uh, I would say "slap me around and call me Susan." I think it's good. Favorite <laughs> quote followed by the proceedings of the quote.
1: That is, that's a good one. Nathan, what about you? The scene where Daryl has to turn off all the robots in the subway, and J Five makes a sad noise, and Daryl says, "Don't make this harder than it already is." And at that moment, you understand the humanity that is that is being lost here in J Five. Yes.
0: There are so many. We might have. You can have a runner-up too, if you need to, on this one. But I just. I really like the part where. Blank man, or I should say, Daryl has come home and he's talking uh, to Kevin. He said, "You know that feeling when somebody kisses you? (laughs) Like that was like a buddy buddy kiss, right? Yeah, probably right. I didn't like all that tongue probing around my mouth anyway. Yes, (laughs) I'm like, and watching like (laughs) watching Kevin (laughs) crushed. That like, how is this happening? Oh man, so good." Oh, oh, man. I did really enjoy it. I just had a couple of rudder ups though. I, I enjoyed the, I have to make this world safer for my children. Your children? <laughs> You've got to be with a woman first before you can have children you're a
2: virgin. I'm a gentleman. gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a gentleman. We
1: did it, other guy!
2: <laughs> Somebody should help that lady is still pretty high up, up there. <laughs> yeah, shoot him in the face. Just oh, the old bookers, like, try shooting him in the head. Yeah, shoot him in the head. That was well delivered, oh. right?
0: It sounded pretty much like that. Yeah. Um, I, even just small stuff, like David Allen Greer at one point is, like, working, and, like, uh, Jason Alexander says, that a boy! And he goes, boy, I'm a man. What? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it a, it a so many good lines, and that's one of the things I said it rewatches really well. So, now... Uh, this is the time. Before we go rate this, Ricky, do you want to tell people where they can hear more
2: from you? Absolutely. You can hear more from me and my co-host Grayson on the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. What we do uh, is a lot of things here. We w- watch older movies and then we have conversations, share childhood memories, uh, and come up with inventive new ways to imagine this movie that is from the past. It's a lot of fun and we love to... Have you over there.
0: It's a fun show. I mean, you guys have great chemistry. Uh, you know, I really enjoy listening to both of you guys on that one. So uh, and like I said, the library is robust. So I promise you, you will find a movie that you either vaguely remember and then have a fun stroll down memory lane or or you might find a movie just like, hey, I, I love this movie. I forgot. I forgot this existed. So it's so good for
2: that. Thank so, you.
0: Yes. Now, on a five star scale, half star intervals. Ricky, what do you give Blank Man?
2: I honestly I have to give Blank Man I'm going to give it four and a half. And it's because of how strongly it was written. And to see all of the other movies that came out after it, that was basically the same movie. Like, when I start realizing, like, wait a second, this has some undertones and themes that... The Dark Knight has. And I'm like this is a solid movie and it's not because it didn't take itself too seriously. Like like I think that it's a it's a fun and interesting story and definitely a different type of superhero story that I think is worth telling and experiencing and it is just so funny. Uh, while all being grounded in a reality where stakes are real and people actually die, and it's not just a cartoon world, uh, it is a heightened reality with uh, some more comedic elements in it, and that's why I give it the four point five. It wouldn't, I would give it a full five if it just cleans up its act a little bit. Uh, just, uh, just largely content and things that hasn't aged well but that's you know no fault of its own because it is a product of its time
0: comedy is more apt to stepping in it than other genres yeah for sure absolutely i mean if you're gonna be edgy there's a high likelihood some percentage of what you're doing probably won't age mm-hmm. well and that's of its time so just know that when you watch yeah. it i'm okay with that with as far as comedy mm-hmm. goes so no nathan what would you rank Blank Man on a five-star scale?
1: Blank like Man, for me, gets a four out of five stars. I think that this movie is really fun to watch, really entertaining, really well-made. I love the care that goes into it. Uh, the one reason I take a one one star off is just because I, I feel like there's potential for just a little bit more clarity and character development in uh, which direction this wants to be, whether it wants to be that full-on parody or continue dealing with some of those issues that that it raises and is really good at talking about at times
0: that's a that i'm going to mirror a lot of the things you said i'm going to give it a four and i think that it can steer a hair more into the parody at times by like the density of jokes a good parody movie such as like a movie like airplane Mm -hmm. just has all of these things going and they use the background people that aren't even part of the movie sometimes like you use the background to layer in more jokes and stuff like that. What's happening in the neighborhood, what the mobsters are doing. Maybe you have a heavier-handed henchman of of Manelli. You know what I mean? So there's there's an opportunity to um d- steer more into the parody bucket, or it, you know, if it wants to stay where it is, I still think uh adding some more t- and this is probably more the direction that I would go in use the characters that are really likable and just make us really like them. And the comedy level is actually probably pretty appropriate for that. So I'm thinking something more like a, you know, a home alone is a very good example of this where like, you know, ah, it, you know, it touches me. It makes me laugh. And therefore it becomes timeless. So that's probably the only thing that's keeping this from going there. So one of those two, I'm with you, Nathan, pick a path and you'll probably find your way to a five star for me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go with the four. Uh, we have balanced the 19% to yes. Rotten Tomatoes uh, rating. Perfect. <laughs> We've brought balance to the world. Yeah. Now, Nathan, will you help me pick a movie for next time? Let's do it, Russell. All right, we're going back to the 80s. Option number one, Tootsie. Michael Dorsey, an unsuccessful actor, disguises himself as a woman in order to get a role on a trashy hospital soap. Option two, Working Girl from 1988. When a secretary's idea is stolen by her boss, she seizes the opportunity to steal it back by pretending she has her boss's job. Option three, broadcast news from 1987, take two rival television reporters, one handsome, one talented, both male, add one producer female, well, mix and watch the sparks fly.
1: What'll it be, Nathan? Well, Russell, lots of great sounding choices there. I think we're going to have to go with 1988's Working Girl. All right, sounds great. Look forward to that
0: one. And Ricky, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank
2: you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And thank you for uh, allowing me to fall back in love with Blank Man. Like I, I'm going to go real deep in trying to find as much memorabilia for this movie as I can or make my <laughs> own. So thank you.
0: No, it was a great pick. We, we had a lot of fun with you. And we'd, we'd love to have you back again someday.
2: I'd love to be back.
0: All right. Remember, all the Lord's Ladies and Knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, we invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us at Twitter on, at movie underscore retro. We're on Instagram. Email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. We have a Patreon site if you would like to support us. And as
1: always, thank you for listening, be good to each other, and watch more movies. Nathan. I hate to disappoint you, but my rubber lips are immune to your charms.